0: for anyone listening to this or watching this uh this is our first time actually chatting so i'm pretty excited about this and uh it'll be pretty cool i mean um you reached out to me on on instagram for obvious reasons i just talked to another marathon runner and and that's kind of how we connected but i'm uh i'm interested to hear a little bit more about you man and i guess we can start with like i guess uh maybe why you wanted to reach out to me
1: oh yeah um i'd say the well first off uh thank you for having me on uh really appreciate it uh you giving me the time and i reached out to mark after i saw his conversation with uh sachlati um they they had an amazing back and forth and i reached out to him for obvious reasons uh one of those reasons being um for ridstone family uh so tomorrow well Tomorrow, as in April 5th, I'm going to be launching a fundraiser uh, for $25,000 for Ridstone Family. Uh, Ridstone Family is an organization in Los Angeles, uh, California, where I live, uh, that has been around since 74. And they're like a grassroots organization that deals with child abuse and domestic violence. And, uh, there I've been working with them for five, six years and we raised about $2,600, uh, through a 72 hour race that I did in December. And this year I wanted to go and raise $25,000 for them through a series of races that I have and just trying to get the word out there, man. And, um, I just, uh, want to do everything I can, uh, with all the crazy shit that I do.
0: That's wicked, man. And dude, with someone like that, like just from what you said just now, there's so much to kind of unpack from, from that. Cause it's like, well, why, why that, you know, charity, why that specific charity? Um, why that movement, but also like what, why going about it this way? Like the whole like marathon running thing, like how did you get it kind of get into that? So like, I don't know, like kind of, cause for me, when I first opened up your profile, I was curious. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, what, who's this guy reaching out to me? And the more I looked, I was like, all right, this guy kind of seems legit. Like he seems, you know, and I was kind of looking through it, but, um, a lot of the times, like people have these questions, like why, like, what, like, how did this all start? So I don't know, like how you kind of want to tell your story or if you have kind of like a full story that you consider or, but I'm interested to hear about like, what, like how did this start?
1: Uh, I guess for me, my background uh, started with running about four years ago. So to just give a bit of a background, I've never been like an athletic guy. Uh, I was failing the fitness test year round every year when I was in elementary school and high school, just couldn't do pushups, couldn't do sit-ups, last kid on the track. And um, I was obese for most of my life, struggled with food addiction, uh, depression, anxiety, Uh, various things. Um, And I picked up running about four or five years ago, uh, just as kind of an outlet, something that I could do to just cope with mental health struggles, Uh, just a lot of things to unpack that were going on in my life um, at that time and all culminated. And I went out and I ran a quarter of a mile and um, I got sick and I walked home. (laughs) And it's just been like, from there, it was like a 5k and then it was like a 10k and a half. And, um, then during the pandemic, my marathon got canceled and I'd been doing through hiking and decided like, well, what if I run trails? And turns out that it wasn't a new invention that people had been trail running for a long time. So I jumped into ultra marathons and, um, been doing distances about a hundred mile and above since then. And, um, just, uh, want to test my personal limits and the whole charity thing just kind of fell into it as like, you know, if people see you doing these crazy, amazing feats, uh, then it's like, they can see that you're passionate about a cause through your actions and they'd be willing to donate a couple of dollars or, um, maybe just like share the news or just see how you're passionate about it and just maybe have their own awakening
0: yeah man like what because that journey in and of itself like that kind of well there's a couple of things i want to speak about there because there's a few things the first one is like how difficult it is to just get started with something like that because i had a similar experience like i'm not an ultra marathon runner at all but uh, i just did my first marathon like 42 kilometers oh, or, awesome and uh that was over winter break i did it on christmas eve And, uh, that was the first time that I had done anything. Like I'd done a half marathon before I did that. And then kind of similar to how you spoke about it. Like, I remember the first time I started running, I was like a heavy smoker and, uh, just running to the end of my block. I was like throwing up, like I was like sick. And I just turned around and I'm like, man, I don't want to do this ever again. It was so bad. Like, and then, um, well, that was my motivation to quit smoking cigarettes. Right. I was like, man, I think of myself, like, I'm a young, healthy guy. I'm like early 20s at the time. I'm like, there's no reason for me to just run a block and then start feeling like this. Like it's, um, But I could only imagine, like, because for me to make the connection between physical and mental health took me probably, I mean, I started struggling with depression at a pretty young age and I was working out for a lot of that. And I never made the connection between my mental and physical health holistically. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say?
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I think I definitely do. Like for me, it was when I started working out, um, in college, it was not for mental physical reasons. It was, it was more for just like, I wanted to lose weight and I got unhealthily skinny. Um, and it was primarily physical, but I get what you're saying when I picked it up and I picked up running four years ago, I didn't do it for physical reasons. I picked it up primarily for mental health. I just needed an outlet.
0: Yeah. And I guess more what I'm trying to say is like, um, I mean, like I, like my, with my story, like I started struggling, like with depression at a really, like it was probably like nine years old when I first started showing signs and my teachers were starting to talk to my parents kind of thing for things that I was saying in the classroom. And then, um, you know, I started lifting weights in high school, because I played rugby and all these other sports, I want to be better at, I want to have big biceps, I wanted girls to like me, you know, like there was all those other aspects. So I was like, okay, I'm going to lift weights. And and even then, I considered that I was like, oh, the gym is my therapy kind of thing, you know, but it wasn't until like the last couple years where I started to have this mindset shift where I was like, okay, well, what if I try things like yoga? What if I try things like running? What if I branch out of my comfort zone a little bit more and I start working out in terms of like, you know, how do I actually become healthier as opposed to how do I get bigger biceps? Like there was a transformational shift mentally for me where I had to start thinking about like, you know, I'm not moving for like this vain reason anymore of like wanting to have abs or big biceps. Like it's more like I'm moving so that I can move better for the rest of my life and feel better and process you know, struggles differently. And because there's something that goes on, like, and I only had a taste of it. Like, I don't think I've even figured this out. But when I was like running the marathon of dealing with struggles and then being able to push past that to finish the marathon, like kilometer 30 out of 42, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. You yeah, know what I, I mean? So just you that hit the wall, probably right. I bet. Right. But we hit walls every day with our mental health. you get what I'm saying? Like, it's like that that mentality shift of being able to look at struggles as something that's going to make you better as opposed to something that's going to break you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, you just like, you hit those mental walls all the time, um, mentally. And then like, just being able to connect those. I think if I wasn't able to make those connections, like you said, I wouldn't even be able to do the things that I do, the ultra marathons that I do, I think there are certain days where I feel like that connection is so powerful that if you're just in a mental rut, like you just don't want to do anything. Like your body can just shut down, but at the same time on the opposite end of that spectrum, like you pushing through 30 to 42 and realizing that those struggles are mental and physical struggles or struggles and making that connection and realizing that, that discomfort can help you grow. Um, just, um, it's, it's a powerful thing, man.
0: Yeah. And well, one of the things I was going to, I wanted to touch on, and I'm sure that, I don't know, well, I guess it's a better way to just ask than to assume what you think, but, (laughs) um, what I was going to say is like, does this shit get easier? Like, does your, so like you run a hundred miles, is it easy to run a hundred miles for you now? No, <laughs> no, definitely not. I
1: think um, well, um, I think every hundred mile that I've done is like a different story. Um, I I don't think that the distance gets easier. Um, I think that in a lot of ways it can get tougher because maybe your intensity gets tougher. Um, but if we're talking like for a hundred miler. I think those last 50 miles are like 90% like mental than they are physical. Uh, so I find that I may have, I've done 200 miles and I thought maybe in my head that, and then I did a the 72 hour race. I thought maybe in my head, like I can kind of like get through a 100 no matter what. And I realized that I mean, for physical reasons, I had an injury, but I realized that that's not always true because I DNF'd my last one three weeks ago. Um, And I realized that a lot of times, like the key to your mind will like change um, because it's inevitable, right? Like in your marathon, I'm sure like at mile 30, you started hear or like kilometer 30, you started hearing those voices in your head. You start hearing the voices in your head telling you, like, you can't do this. Like, why are you doing this? You know, it was
0: like it was sorry to interrupt you, but I was going to say it was it was more like mental thing, mental alerts of physical signs. Like, I kept thinking, like, I feel like my calf might actually tear off. Like, there was little things like that, like, you know, like when your muscles start getting tight and you're like, okay, I think it's starting to peel off. Like, I think like this is it. Like, there was times (laughs) like that because. I had, uh, I had fractured my heel earlier in the year, mm-hmm. I, in the summer last year. So by winter time, I was like, man, I don't know if my Achilles is actually going to stay on. Like I was like, so for me, it was like the, it, it seemed like a physical battle at the time, but looking back, it was definitely a mental battle.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Like what how you're the mind,
0: saying.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. How the mind tricks you like that too, taking, it'll take like everything that's, in its toolbox, and just like try to play with you. Like I've had a knee, I had an injury on my right knee early on, and I've had an Achilles injury and multiple bad ankle injuries on my left, and that'll always come up at some point. It'll be like, yeah, you know, like, oh, your knee's feeling a little shaky. Are you sure you can go another thirty miles? Can you go another forty miles? Um, and just like, and that just is my going back to my point is that 100 mile or, is always going to be 100 miles. And I feel like every race is just like a different story. Like you can fix certain things like your nutrition and like you can work out and like, yeah, you know, do all the right things. But at the end of the day, like it's always going to be a battle of the mind
0: yeah and i just think sometimes like uh even for myself like i think of you know like for example like how many hundred miles have you done how many times have you run a 100 miles in one sitting
1: how many times have i run a 100 miles in one sitting um
0: i would say probably three so like after three times of doing that like successfully it's like how like I, from, from the average person, from the layman looking at you, I think like, oh, walking up to the, the start line, this guy knows he's going to run the hundred miles. Cause he's done it so many times, you know, like we kind of look at other people and we think like, oh, he's done it. Maybe he's done it a couple of times. Like he's good. That's not a challenge for him anymore. Like we kind of look out and see that. But I know like for myself, there's so many times where even working in construction or, dealing with these battles, like every case is different. Every circumstance is different. Every time it's going to be a grind or a battle. Like I even think about that with yoga classes, like there's yoga classes that I've done on YouTube and I've done them before. And then when I start them, I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish this time. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, and that's like a one hour thing we're like running a hundred miles takes all day, man. Like, and it's like, what could happen two hours in?
1: Oh yeah. Like the longer you're on your feet, the more likely you are that something's going to happen. But that's what all the old heads will say is that it's all about like problem management. I think it's the same for anything that you do. Like it could be construction. It could be running that marathon. It could be uh, going to yoga. It's we, in life, you know, problems are going to arise and it's about like, It's like a microcosm, a hundred mile of like what life is like solving problems. Um, And also, I think going back to what you said, like in a way, like knowing that for me, like knowing I'm going to walk up and I'm going to do a hundred miles, but also knowing that this is going to suck. It's going to hurt, but this is what I signed up for. Um, I bet. um, Did you, did you feel that way when you did your marathon? Like when you walked that star line, did you know, like it's going to
0: suck at this point? And I'm. I just got to be ready to power through that. You know, it's it's kind of funny when I did it. I was actually only planning on going for 30 kilometers. I kind of gave myself a little bit of a mental cop-out because I had run the half marathon. So that's 21K. Mm -hmm. And then um, my goal was to run a marathon, but I was too scared to say it. So I kept saying, I'm gonna run the 30 K cause it's kind of in the halfway point between the, the, the half marathon and the full marathon is 30 K is like the halfway. So I, I kind of gave myself the mental cop out of I'm gonna run 30 K. And I was like, I can run 10 K and I can run 21 K. So I can definitely do the 30 K. That was like, it was like, it's gonna be achievable. And by the time I had hit the 30 K, I was like, I'm being such a pussy. I need to just power through this and finish the 42 K like the the full marathon was your goal. What you said was 30 to everybody else, but you know, deep down your goal is the full marathon. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? Even if you finish, you're not even going to be proud. You know what I mean? Like you got to go for the full marathon. So that was, I, I kind of, I gave myself a mental cop out and it was, I had to ask myself about like, why wasn't I as proud as I was? Because I was like, you know, I almost didn't do it. You know, and I try and I, even though I knew I was capable, I didn't want to even say it out loud or commit to anybody. I was scared to tell my girlfriend about it or any of my friends, you know, because uh, I didn't think I was going to be able to achieve it, even the 30K or even the like the full marathon. I didn't think I'd be able to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I went into my hundred, heck, even when I went to my first 50K, I didn't I couldn't say it out loud. Like I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. I just told myself, like I just want to go, like to use a cliché, like I just want to go the distance. Um, like I just want to get through this day and see what I can do. And um, I did. Um, I kind of had the same, uh, same approach to all my races too. Like my hundred miler was kind of my first one was the same. Like I just want to finish, like no matter what, I just want to get through this, and. I finished that race, uh, that first hundred miler. I'll never forget. I finished it. Um, uh, what they call an ultra running. They call it DFL
0: dead fucking
1: last. <laughs> I finished with, uh, like one minute to spare.
0: That's dude. Even just like the way you speak about that, like are they, running the hundred, mar- the hundred miles is like, dude, I can't even comprehend that dude. I had, um, there's a lot of things I got, I yelled at my buddy, actually, I yelled at my buddy, I'm like, man, there's so many pains about running a marathon that you didn't tell me about that I'm mad about now. Like, I'm like, man, <laughs> jump in the shower with all the chafing after bro. Like, uh, I, uh, it's, uh it's, it's a funny thing, though, because I, um, I was really upset with myself about how I felt like I was selling myself short. Because I was like, I didn't even know about the full marathon i thought i couldn't achieve the 30k but i completed the full marathon so it's like imagine you know and i'm sure you've had those thoughts where it's like imagine if i actually believed in myself yeah you know for, for a day like imagine what i could have achieved
1: yeah like a lot of a lot of my life was almost like um what if i can't do this i'm gonna embarrass myself like i don't know if i could do this like it was a lot of like mental cop-outs, as you'd say. And then I got to a certain point where I stopped. I told myself, like, I'm tired of asking myself this. Let me try to ask, what if, like, what if I can do this for the 72 hour race, depending on your perspective, um, my perspective, uh, like you can look at it as a failure because my 72 hour race, I was going for 200 miles. That's what I told everyone in my head, I was telling myself, okay, maybe I can get 210. Um, I finished with about 170. Uh, but the only reason I got there was because I was shooting those moon balls and I was telling myself, what if I can do this crazy thing? You know, like what
0: if, yeah. And before that, how, what was the most you ever ran before hundred miles? Uh,
1: hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to 100 and it was just like, I actually told myself, I remember telling myself right then and there, like it's all uncharted territory from here. Like whatever happens
0: now is whatever happens, but I'm not going to stop moving. Yeah. And, and the last thing I I was going to say about that is just the, the, the idea of like, you know, if you sell yourself short and you like kind of look for the cop out, like, yeah, I, I I sold myself short. I was looking for 30 K and then, okay. Yeah. I was able to push past and hit the 42. But I kept thinking to myself, like, what would have happened if I had shot for like 100 and hit 50? You know what I mean? Like, like, it's like, okay, you achieved X amount by not even believing in yourself. But then look at like your results. Like, you're like, okay, I'm gonna get like 210, 215. And sure, you hit like 170. But that's like, literally still almost double the most you've ever done.
1: Um, when you were a chain smoker and you did your first run and the one where you like wanted to like barf and like, yeah, yeah do it. Like did a
0: 5k and a 10k seem like a lot to you? Like, did it seem like forever? I didn't 10k didn't seem achievable. That's uh, that seemed like Olympian level to me. That was like, there's no way I'll be able to run a 10k. That's then that's what
1: I think I realized is that there was a point where I thought a 5k was my Everest. And then it was a half marathon. And then it was a 50k. And I just realized how crazy it is, how your mind can frame certain things and then just tell you like, this is the pinnacle of achievement. And then you get to that next thing. It's like, this is the pinnacle of achievement. And it's just like this. Once you do the marathon, like who's to say that you're not going to do a 50k or a 50 mile And then you're going to look back at that marathon and you're still going to remember it exactly how it was, but then you're going to realize that you were capable of so much more than you thought you were.
0: Yeah. It's also important for anybody listening to this. It's also important to talk about the difference between miles and kilometers. Cause when he talks about like 50 miles, it's so different than 50 K it is so (laughs) different. You guys can do the conversions yourself, but that's like, yeah. When he's talking about doing 50 miles and 50, like a hundred miles, I'm like, dude, I couldn't even do 50 kilometers right now. Like 42 kilometers, like it took me about five, five, almost five and a half hours for the marathon. And I think I, no, actually no, 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 I finished uh, just over five hours. Oh, that's and, really good. And it did not feel like it, bro. It was like the first, I think I did it in two different stretches on my app because I was only going for the 30 K. So when I, I thought I did one of them in 30, the other one was 12 the first 30 kilometers I think took me like through two and a half three hours and then the last 12k also took me like two hours so much like it was like the last 12 kilometers took me the same amount of time as the first 30 because it was just like shit dude I gotta walk a little bit I gotta just like kind of gain yeah. myself back like there was just so much that yeah I, I um yeah. Such an even roast to me a little bit for my preparation for that race. He, <laughs>
1: what would you do? <laughs> yeah,
0: I told, I, I literally just told you what I did. I just trained 10 K's. I was like, if I can wow. run a 10 K, I can run 10 K five times. That was my ideology. That was the way I thought. I was like, as long as I could do the 10 K, I know I can do that three, four times. That that's was kind of the. Uh,
1: that's kind of the false mindset that I gave myself too. It's it's true in some cases, but I told myself after I did my fifty k, like, well, you know, I just got to do it three times over, and I'll do a hundred miles. Yeah, and that was kind of like the, I wouldn't say false bravado, but that was kind of like the, uh, tried to inject some
0: confidence in myself that I could yeah. do it. You know, it's a, well, and it's a, it's kind of a. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful feeling to think that way. Cause it does work sort of. Cause for the first 10 K I was like, okay, I'm good. I still feel fresh. This is just, you know? And then the last 10 K I was like, this is nothing like the first 10 K that yeah. was where it was like, I'm jacked up. Like it was like, I couldn't even describe the feeling. And so I know that you couldn't even describe your version because it would be way more intense. But I remember thinking like, I don't even feel like I'm running anymore. That's how I felt. Like, I was like, I literally yeah. don't even feel like this is my body doing this. Like I kind of like, like almost out of
1: body experience almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Le- like legit. Like, cause there's like painful, painful. Have you like, do you have any tattoos? Do you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got okay. a half sleeve right here. So, and I've gotten, so, yeah. I was going to say, it's kind of similar to doing like a, fi- like if you sit through a five hour session of tattooing, like, that's kind of what i related to like it's painful the whole time but there's hours or minutes where you just kind of like disassociate you're like oh this is yeah. legit happening to me right now
1: yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean because i've been through like an eight hour session before and a couple girls, yeah. and i think at some point like you just like it's out of body like it's, yeah it's, it's crazy
0: that's the only other time i felt like that i've done an eight hour session was the longest tattoo so i don't think i'll do that again but I remember like four or five hours deep. Like it didn't even feel like I was getting a tattoo at that point. Like, it's like, just the pain was just like, not numb. Cause you feel everything, but like, it's like disassociative. Like you kind of like, Oh, that's my arm getting a needle in it. Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like it's, um, it's the same way with the hundred races. Like, I think the longer the distance gets, the more of those ebb and flow cycles that you have and with the hundred mile um and the 200s like you go through several of them like you just go through this point where it's like oh this sucks you know like everything sucks like your nutrition is bad and like you're feeling nauseated or like you have a hot spot in your foot and then like it's just like managing that you know and then next thing you know you're riding like this amazing high
0: for like the next 10 miles and you're feeling great yeah it's pretty nuts man i wanted to uh I, what I did want to actually pull this back to a little bit was talking more about, and we did touch on it a little bit, but like how this translates into like, cause obviously you can help other people's mental health by raising money and drawing attention. Cause people are like, who's this fucking guy running hundred, 200 miles, like what's going on. And for someone like me, who's like tried to do a, a smaller version and struggled I'm even more like, holy shit, these guys are superheroes. Like, it's like, it seems more crazy because I've tried the small scale and it was hard. So like just hearing about these things amazes me. You know, and- what's
1: crazy, just quickly to interrupt you, what's crazy, Mark, is when you said these guys are superheroes, that's crazy that you say that because I still remember that as being my absolute first comment when I heard about the 100
0: mile. That's exactly what I said. These guys are superheroes. It doesn't seem human, dude. And, like, dude, I've read Goggins' book a couple times. I follow all this. Like, I probably follow a lot of similar guys that you follow. And, like, hearing about them, they literally seem, like, not even of this, like, I'm like, are these guys human like me? Like, do they have the same, like, you know, what's going on? And then you hear half of them have organs that fail and shit like that. And you're like, dude, these guys are doing it with hearts that are worse than my condition. Like, when, like, the Goggins thing in in his book, I don't want to ruin the book for anybody, but you know, finding out that he has got like a heart condition a hole in his heart. Yeah. 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 It's like, yo, how that's like, after he's done all this shit, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. not like that was like while he's still obese, like, it's like, wait, he's been doing all this with a fucking heart problem. Like it's crazy. It doesn't seem human. And so like, it's so like, for, sorry to bring, to bring this back in. Like, um, like when people hear about these things, like it kind of like, it's like, well, how does like how does this play a role in your own mental health like because I'm assuming by now like the way that you speak about it it sounds like it's kind of like in your past but I I know for myself even the uh, trials and tribulations that I've gone through still haunt me to this day in some degree it's less like uh, I've been able to abolish them and more like I've been able to deal with them like you were talking about like problem management but how how has like kind of marathon running or ultra marathon running kind of translated into your mental health like because it has it That been like the pinnacle factor was there any other catalysts well i think first off um
1: i think for mental health struggles i absolutely agree that for me even like
0: i guess sorry to interrupt but i was gonna say maybe maybe we could go into even defining what mental health struggles look like for you because i i you know we haven't even spoken much about that and i don't want to make assumptions but like without prying too much i guess you can kind of share a little bit about you know, maybe what you dealt with and how it changed. Yeah. I
1: mean, like, I mean, like you, I suffered depression from an early age, probably like nine, 10 um, that translated over into like um, coping with food. And that eventually turned into a food addiction, which led to obesity. Um, I suffered anxiety. I always felt like for me, the biggest struggle was always feeling like I never achieved the validation that I was looking for. And that's something that I felt like I've, uh, people pleaser was a role that I took on for a long point in my life. Um, because I never felt like I achieved that validation early on. Um, so that was probably the pinnacle of like my struggles and then just, um, I think for me, the depression wasn't even like, sometimes it was situational, but a lot of times for me, it was just imbalances. Like, it's just like, a, what you call, like, I describe it as like the ebb and flow of like waves. Like I'll have like periods, like I just did in like March where like, I'll go through like a couple, two, three weeks of like, I'm just in this like really low Valley. And then like, I'll just come out the other side and it can take like I don't think there's one form that my depression takes like sometimes it's sometimes I can work it out by doing ultras or like running or exercising other times like it's like one of those like I just want to lie in bed type of days um but that's kind of uh an overview of it
0: yeah I resonate a lot with that actually because I I feel the that way as well I think um for a lot of my life, it was kind of more like, a, you know, like a crippling, like kind of like a dark cloud following you around. And, you know, uh-huh. and it it's t- taken a different shape now. You know, I kinda, it kind of haunts me in similar ways that you've kind of been speaking about, like where I'll get like, you know, the one or two weeks, sometimes even a month where, um, you know, I'm low energy or I'm just not really executing on a lot of the things that and it kind of builds up. And then, uh, you know, I, it could be like, maybe I lose a little bit of discipline with finances and, you know, credit card bills start piling up and I'm like, fuck, I stress about that. Yeah. Or maybe it's like, uh, you know, I haven't paid enough attention to the relationships in my life and it just kind of, you know, those dwindle away or friends, you know, treat you differently or speak to you differently. And then, you know, there's always those kind of weird kind of weeks or a couple weeks, and it's just being able to snap back into that, like, that seems to be the biggest struggle for people because i think a lot of us gravitate towards you know negative coping mechanisms when we feel like that like when you get so for example like you were saying like march was a tough month for you Mm -hmm. like um a lot of people when they have those tough months they kind of fall off or even i do like i fall on old habits or bad habits that we used to have do you do you ever feel like um do you ever feel like you lose that maybe part of your identity of like, Hey, you know, like maybe I'm not this person or maybe I, this isn't my path. Like, do you ever feel like that? Like lose my, like lose my identity. Well, I guess like when you have those bad months, like, what does that look like for you? Cause that's how I I, I have a tough time dealing with those things, it, but it for sure. Like it for sure. Like,
1: Oh, it shakes my foundation. I think that's something that like, well, like it's lasted throughout my life like i would say that my mental health struggles i've learned to i guess the word is i've learned to compartmentalize them like i've i know that they're there um i feel like uh ultras have helped me become more vulnerable with them like i can speak about more things like simply saying that, like, I can go, I can be grateful for all the things that I have in life, but I can still go from like being totally happy to having the occasional suicidal thought. Like, that's something that I would not have been able to say 10 years ago, but yeah, like, man, like it totally, like, sometimes you go through moments where like, it'll shake your entire foundation. And I think it's really normal to question everything you built, everything you are. And wonder who the real you is um and i think life is a struggle life is a constant battle of like trying to like shore that foundation and kind of build it and also adapt it because like you said depression changes and it's happened to me like where it's gone from like maybe a dark cloud which is kind of what it was in my past to like taking other forms
0: yeah. and I mean, like you, you talked about it with like, say like food addiction and such, but there's a lot of people that, you know, they get into say like ultra marathon running or whatever it could be. And I don't know, this is just like, I'm pulling this out of my ass, but like, for example, like say that bad habit creeps back into your life, you know, that's something that kind of goes directly against marathon running. So you would have like this combat of like, you know, yeah. I'm overeating, yeah. I'm gaining weight, I'm doing this but this is who I am. And it kind of creates this conflict of like, am I actually this guy or am I the guy that eats a lot? Or am I not the guy that eats a lot? Am I the ultramarath? Like, why do I have this gravitational pull towards this tendency? You know, like it's kind of like creates a conflict of interest almost. And I feel like we all deal with that. Like, even like for myself, like, you know, say going back to smoking cigarettes or whatever it could be, like have that, if that happens, then it's like, then I'm faced with this crisis of am I this healthy guy that cares about my body or am I this smoker? Am I both? Like it kind of, you know, we go back to these kind of like um, I, you know, I hear a lot of my friends, the reason I bring this up, I guess I should say, I hear a lot of my friends that, you know, have struggled with like uh, substance abuse in the past Mm -hmm. and part of their identity becomes I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm this, I'm that. And we kind of deal with that identity conflict of like, okay, yeah, that's a part of you. Right. But where are you going or what are you trying to focus on now? Like I kind of, do you see where I'm coming from? Like where? Uh... Yeah.
1: yeah. And I think for me, like those things like food addiction, um, I was drinking a lot in the last couple of years and um, April is actually a year of sobriety. Um, really? Congratulations, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, going back to your point, like, I think that drinker, like food addict, like obese, um, those things are always going to be a part of my identity, but I feel like it's a dimmer switch. Like it's like light switches. Um, and I feel like, uh, right now ultras and like this part of my identity is like the brighter switch, but if I'm not careful, then it's like a constant struggle that you always deal with. Like occasionally, like you'll feel that gravitational pull that other switch will try to like get brighter and you just have to like, I guess for me, like it's all about like accepting that that's going to be there and riding that wave for what it is and, um, using the other brighter light to combat those dimmer lights. Yeah, um, yeah. and for me, like, I think, if it wasn't for ultras, because I think you've probably experienced this too in your races, but like when you're, and even in life, like when you're in a moment of like discomfort, um, there's a lot of brutal honesty. A lot of things come out of you. Um, some of them might be true. Some of them might not be true, but a lot of things come out of you. So I think for me, like Um, being able to do these hundred miles and just be out there in this pain for so many hours has forced me to really be more vulnerable with myself and really just have like a higher level of brutal honesty. That's gratefully, um, it's been tough because it's like opening a can of worms, but at the same time, like it's work that I got to do and like, it's helped me connect with people better and it's helped me share my story better and help other people better.
0: That's, that's beautiful, man. And I like the way you talk about like, it's such a cliche and I fucking, I hate hearing this stuff. Like it's it, it <laughs> truly is, well, it truly is about like balance, right? Like it's yeah. like, um, I, because I, I, you know, for me, it's it, it, the running is a symbol. That's the way I look at it. Because mm-hmm. for me, if I had to identify the theme, it's more about discipline. That's where I pride myself on. And that's what my close friends see me as, you know, I'm like the yeah. kind of guy that, no matter what, I'm always up before five o'clock, like that kind of thing. Or I'm, I might not be the strongest guy, but I'm hitting my workout seven days a week and nobody can take that from me. Like that's kind of where my mentality is a lot of the time is like, look, I'm not going to be the best guy. I'm not going to be the fastest, won't be the strongest. Definitely not the fucking smartest, but I'll show up and I can show up better than other people can. Like that's the yeah, way same. I, you know, So and that's. Be, and you'll be 1% better every day. 100%. But there's those times where my discipline slips. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so then I have this in my head, an argument. It's like, am I the disciplined guy or am I the lazy guy? Because the first 18 years of my life, 20, 23 years of my life, I sat around and smoked weed and cigarettes and just wanted to party and make jokes like that was, you know, so am I a disciplined guy? Because nature says I'm not. And so I go through sometimes like those identity and I realize it's like, well, bro, it's, it truly is about the balance. Like, it's like yeah. the the ability to turn off and on that discipline. And that's kind of where I was actually going to go to this next, but I want to hear what you had to say about that.
1: About discipline.
0: Yeah. Just, a, just um, about that identity, like conflict of like, you know, when we fall off.
1: Uh, just that like any other person, um, it happens to me, um, it happens to me every once in a while, like, especially when I go through dark storm clouds like that, in like a month of March, where there will be occasional moments where my brain goes, where my brain wants to black out and just like, eat something good, or like eat my favorite snack or something like that, <laughs> or just order a pizza and like eat the whole pie. And oh. like, that part of me will always exist. Um And I think that It's really about balance, but when it comes to discipline, it's more about consistency than intensity. Um, Like you can go and do an amazing, and this is just, this is my view on this. There are like a million people who are like, you know, probably at a higher level than me physically or something like that. But um, my point on this is that like, you can go out and do a 10 hour workout or like something gnarly or crazy. And then like, you can slip the next three, four weeks and just go back into all those old habits. Or you can tell yourself, you can make the choice to say, Hey, I'm going to wake up every day and do five minutes of yoga, 365 days a year. And that in itself is like, it creates a habit. The consistency creates the habits. Um, and those habits will create that foundation, which is like that brighter light. And those will be things that you can use to combat the other parts of your personality, um, accept them, deal with it, and then remind them that this is kind of like the identity that you're building now.
0: Yeah. And just to touch on that as well, I think it's such a, such a beautiful point because I think like, um, and I don't know, I can't I can't speak for you, but I know guy, like for myself, like when I have like a mission or an idea in my head, I'm like, I'm going all out. Right. You know what I mean? And so like, say, for example, starting to work out or starting to do like, if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to start working out. I'm that guy who was like, I'm going to work out for 18 hours straight and get the results. Right. But even though, even though I know now in hindsight, it's like the guy that works out 45 minutes a day for a week straight is going to get better results than the guy that does the 18 hour workout and then sits on his ass for six more days. Like even though he spent more time in the gym, he's probably made himself more like if you could count that more tired or whatever it would be. It's like, even though he went through the grueling process, the guy that just did 45 every day, he did like six hours throughout the week. It's like half as much duration got like three times the results. You yeah, know like I think that
1: and keeping that balance and that discipline I think in itself is lot I mean keeping that balance is like a discipline in itself. Um because I think some of the things you were touching on and correct me if I'm wrong um for me I struggle a lot being in this amazing ring with these amazing people with imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. like I just I told that line I see all these guys with like their salmon shorts and like these amazing athletes who like are going to do the race and probably half the time I am. And I just think to myself, do I really belong here? Um, and, um, I think that when you have like those struggles with like food addiction or like you try to go back into your old habits, um, I think the intensity part of it kind of stems from like trying to feel like you belong or, there's always this constant thing in my head saying, I feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that's the balance of trying to be like consistent with whatever you're doing and trying to like get to the next level. But at the same time, like just like being, it's a discipline in itself. It's being disciplined in itself.
0: I think what you're saying there about like the, um, the idea or the feeling of like you you know maybe not being enough i think it's really powerful what you're talking about because that's a lot of the time my like um internal dialogue as well it's like you haven't really contributed enough you haven't really given enough like why do you expect these things you're so entitled like i think those thoughts a lot and i mean there's probably truth behind it. Right. Like at the end of the day, we're all privileged. If you live in North America, you're the top 1%. That's the way I oh, look 100%, at it. Yeah. hundred percent. Right? Like, and so for us to even bitch about half the things we bitch about, it's like, come on. It's a privilege. It's yeah. A privilege. But that being said, we are now, all of us are kind of in this existential crisis of like, you know, we've been given so much in our lives that the people that kind of do look at that, introspectively sometimes we look at it in the wrong way like I put a lot of thought into this and I don't think I've figured it out but it's it's always interesting for me to think about like why do all of us kind of it, once you start looking within have this feeling of like you know I've been given so much whether it's for my parents or the place I live or the people around me and why do I feel like I haven't given enough do I not contribute enough to the people around me or like, where's this Definitely. feeling stem from?
1: And I think one thing I learned, um, that something its a lesson I've always learned in like the last half year or so is that like those feelings can coexist. Like you can acknowledge that, you know, we do have these amazing privileges to be able to even talk about these things. And, um, that, you know, we have a lot of comforts that a lot of people in the world don't have, but you can be grateful and be feel blessed to have all those amazing things like water, food, a roof over our heads, the ability to think freely. Um, and at the same time, acknowledge that you have these feelings because they're there. Um, and I think that at one point in my life, I don't know if you've ever heard the term like toxic positivity, but it's a mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I just told myself like, I guess, if I could describe what I told myself in one sentence, it was that first 18 years of my life sucked. I want to do everything I can to just feel good all the time. (laughs) And that to me was like another way of bottling things up. Um, So I've learned that um, going back to that last point that you can feel, you can accept that these are amazing things that we have and like, um, You can feel blessed and show gratitude towards them, but at the same time, acknowledge your feelings. Both of those things can coexist.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the time as well, um, I think it's important to note that, like, it's kind of etched into our, I mean, everyone's got different beliefs of how we became the beings that we are. But if you believe in evolution, um, you know, all of these things are kind of pre programmed in us for a reason. So I think that there's not really a world or circumstances uh, like in our environment that we could have without those feelings. I think that they're going to be there regardless. And it's more about like, well, why do I feel that? And how can I deal with it? Like I think a lot of our uh, feelings like anxiety or those things are necessary. Like they're, they're, they're pre-programmed kind of like chain reactions almost from my understanding i'm not a doctor i'm a carpenter so i'm just talking out my ass but like it's like um i think a lot of the times we forget like we're like why do i feel this way i shouldn't feel this way i should feel happy yeah everyone and 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 it's like i don't think there's a world you can create where you don't feel that way i think that that's a necessity i think that we're supposed to feel those things like the the whole like i am not enough thing like that's where i've kind of drawn that conclusion like I think you're supposed to feel like, Hey, I'm not contributing enough. Cause that's what makes you contribute more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, like, I think a lot of those things, we look at them and look, man, there's not much you can say about like, you know, when you're looking and trying to tell a kid that, Hey, it's a gift you've been given this or like, Hey, this is a necessity. Like it's pretty tough to sell to a nine-year-old who feels suicidal. Yeah. But, but like, um, It's just such a tough, weird place to navigate around, man.
1: It is. Um, And there's definitely, there's always going to be those people who, that's an argument I've heard a lot of my life going from like a lower income bracket to like a higher one. Mm. Um, The argument I've always heard is that like, you know, you should, you should be happy because you have this, this, and this. No, I think the, I think what you should be is you should be grateful that you have all those things but that doesn't mean that you should not that doesn't mean you should toss aside cast away all those other feelings that you have just because you have those things because those feelings are there and like you said they're a part of like they're they're supposed to be there they're kind of what makes us contribute more and it just goes back to the
0: balance yeah and i think um well a lot of the times we say that to people as well like and uh I like the I like that the conversation is going this way, man. It's kind of contradictory to the way I usually speak, so I kind of like this. But I do believe this, like I I do think this stuff, and I am kind of I say that because I am kind of one of those people that, you know, a lot of my philosophy comes from like the pull up your bootstraps and fucking save yourself. But I think a lot of the times we, you know, it's it's tough to kind of look at it that way because you know we tell people, hey you should be happy because you have x y and z or you should be thankful or grateful because you have x y and z and i agree with that i agree with what you said i think you said it beautifully like you can be grateful and still be unhappy with something because you need you because you see room for improvement and you know where it can and you think that that's within your abilities so you act on it which makes sense but i think like the argument of like hey man you should be grateful for these three things is like not really a strong argument because it's not like humans are really uh we don't have like it's not like we have like a box where it's like okay if you check off x y and z i'll be happy and i'll be able like you won't even survive if you have some things yeah like let alone be happy right like that's like saying to somebody who's like starving it's like we'll be grateful you have water and oxygen it's like yeah but i also need the food You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, I'm I'm definitely grateful for the oxygen. That's such a great way to put it. Right. But it's like, I still need other things to even survive. And that's just surviving, man. Like, that's not even like, we're talking about being happy. Dude, that's a hard thing to achieve, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely is. Like, that's the
0: whole,
1: whole Maslow's hierarchy thing, right? Like the food, the shelter, all those comforts. Um, but I totally, I totally agree with what you're saying.
0: Yeah. It's, a, and, and it's funny. Cause I, I, like I said, like I usually come from that philosophy. Like I consider myself one of those people that's like, come on, like, you know, that's not a problem. This isn't a problem. Like I get called a victim blamer a lot, you know? So I just, um, I got to be able to just look at things. I like that the conversation's going that way. I like that. That's cool. What though,
1: is, what is the, I never heard that. I may have heard that term, but what is a victim
0: blamer by like definition? Well, it's definitely a thing. I just think it gets misused. So the example of a victim blamer would be like the douchebag that says like, Oh, if that girl didn't want to be taken advantage of, she shouldn't oh, dress okay, that way. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? All that.
1: Yeah. That's yeah so it's exactly. like
0: blaming the victim for the for their problem
1: and oh yeah i, I just i just heard it called as victim shaming yeah that's but that, similar thing yeah
0: yeah and i mean i've been called that before because i do i like um i mean the way i look at it is this i don't think anyone is responsible for the hand of cards that they've been dealt yeah but they are responsible for how they play with them after that's kind of the way that's i true. look at it and um yeah. So it's just interesting to kind of look at it. It's like uh, this whole year I've been, and, you know, even doctors have had to explain this to me. Like this whole year is, has been a transformational shift because the, the first, like, uh, I'd say like 70% of my life, I was the victim of a lot of, th- and, and a victim of none other than myself. I'm, I want to clarify that first. Like, it's like, I, I was of the mentality of a victim even though I was so privileged, I had, you know, next to no problems, realistically, I dealt with the same issues that other people dealt with. There was nothing substantially messed up. And and then I went through a, a shift where I flipped from that like zero accountability to like 120% of accountability. So then I started to take, I would, I would, you know, that's where the victim shaming or victim blaming comes in where it's like, no, you're responsible for everything. And, oh, and okay, so, I get it. so this last like six months has been very transformational for me. Um, kind of shifting now back towards like, okay, maybe you're not responsible for everything, but you're also not powerless. Like it's kind of like, I'm trying to find that happy medium in the middle. yeah that's you know? That's a balance in itself for sure.
1: Um, and just going back to some of the other points that, uh, we were making about like, um, privilege and, um, just kind of like, I think this also ties in pretty well, but I think that I just had this on my mind, but like, I've noticed that a lot of depression and anxiety for a lot of people comes from comparisons. Yeah. Um, and the old school way of making those comparisons was our parents saying like, see this kid, you know, he's just living like this and, you know, he doesn't have all the things that you have, but he's happy. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's kind of a fallacy in itself because it's like everybody has like their own background, their own story. Everyone has their own stakes. And the modern version of this we see is like those colorful square photos we see on Instagram where you look at someone's life and you see like, oh, you know, he's at the beach, He's in this luxury resort. Um, he's doing this amazing like 100 mile run and you know, like he's just like smiling with all his friends. Um, and they don't see the things that go on in between all that. Um, and I try to make it a point even on my social media. like I make a lot of posts about like the things that I'm going through, uh, because I want people to see all sides of everything that like, Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm a flawed human being. Um, I'm trying to work on myself every single day and nobody's a harsher critic of myself than I am.
0: Yeah, dude. And, um, one of the things I liked when I, when I, um, pulled up your profile, when I first started looking at your profile is like, you know, every, everybody in the fitness industry, whether it's like in the gym or running or jujitsu or martial arts, whatever, you know, they're always posting the pictures of the videos of like, here's me winning this race. Here's yeah. me tapping this guy out. Here's me doing a three plate bench or a five plate deadlift or whatever. And it's like, when I, when I opened up your profile, it's like the pictures of the videos are like you in the dirt. Like, it's like, yo, I'm running <laughs> right now. Like, this is me running. There's like, there is the occasional like, yo, hey, I won this or I finished this, I completed this. And I think that there's yeah. a place for that. I think that there is a place for that because I think talking about your winning is huge for yourself and for others. Cause it sets the example, it sets precedent within yourself. I think that there's, you know, the important Goggins talks about his cookie jar kind of thing, but it's like, um, what I liked about your profile is like the pictures are always like you in like the toque or like, the, you know, like geared up and you're not re- wearing like, like you said, <laughs> like the, the cool split shorts that other guys wear like you know like you're you're out there in the in the grinder in like sweats and you're just like yo I'm out here grinding like it doesn't look pretty I'm not in my full Under Armour fucking sponsored outfit you know that's what I appreciated so much about your posts
1: yeah and you're 100% like I have another 100 mile in five days you're 100% when I post photos of that I'm 100% like gonna tell my pacer like hey I'm going through a this is true pretty often. I'm going through a nauseous moment or I'm going through a low, you mind taking a photo of this?
0: That's fucking (laughs) So everyone can
1: see that I'm just messed up, you know, like, um, and I think it helps people because they realize that like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And sometimes, you know, no matter how many times we say that to people, um, they won't realize it until they actually see it. Um, And I think also just, You're right. There has to be a balance between like a photo saying like, look, I got this buckle versus look like I'm going through the struggle because it shows people that you can overcome anything. And I think one of the things that I try to do, I want to do to indirectly help and impact people, show them that I'm not this athletically inclined person that I started from rock bottom. When it came to my fitness, I was pre-diabetes when I was 18, um, I was obese. I struggled with food addiction um but i'm out here doing these things, and everybody can do things of their own relative like you go out and get that five k you know you go out and like be the best engineer you can be you go out and like be the best mountain biker rock climber you can be just you know you can be the best version of yourself,
0: yeah man, and even that transformational shift as well i can't believe i didn't even touch on this before, but it's like um this just kind of sparked a new fire in my brain. I was just thinking about this, that transformational process from like a food addict to an ultra marathon runner. Like uh, talk to me about that because uh, just right off the bat, how many of your social situations when you were a food addict, how many of your social situations were based around food? Like whether you're going to see like, you know, how many first dates were like, let's go to a restaurant. How many like yo we should meet up with the boys and you go and grab beers and wings or whatever like was was a lot of your social life wrapped around food? Yeah,
1: I mean a lot of my social life was well first off my social life when I was the first 18 years of my life was pretty non-existent. Uh I was like a closet the closeted most closeted introvert. Like there was a phase where my going back to my depression where like I didn't talk for almost like the entire year i would barely say any words at all mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean that the food addiction wasn't there um a lot of it was like being shut indoors and like snacking on like all kinds of things um eating fast food all the time almost like uh maybe like six seven meals of the week you know i was just good and like fast food and like having a can of soda a day um so that was definitely And then even when the social situations happened, they were like centered around like eating, even when I was like unhealthily skinny, that's where, that's where the trap was where I was like, you know, I just had this whole pizza pie. So now I'm going to go play basketball on the court for like four hours until like, I literally felt like there was a hole in my stomach because I felt like I was exercising to kind of deal with that or to like, I was exercising to kind of balance that off, offset that out where instead of exercising for my mental health, like we were talking about
0: earlier. Right, right. So it kind of like was very similar because what I was going to ask you about is if you had kind of people from your past kind of make you feel like kind of guilty for wanting to improve yourself. But I feel like maybe for your struggle, I was projecting a bit. Maybe it's more of like an internal thing for you because I dealt with more of like the external pressures.
1: Um, It was internal, but there definitely was like... um, there definitely was like outside struggles as far as like people noticing that, like I'm doing these things to improve myself and kind of like trying to drag me back into that hole with them. Um, Almost like a, you're better than us kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. a lot of it also was like projecting from, I think doing extra projection from things like that, that happened, because sometimes we take those external things and we add it to our internal and it just creates, like, this extra level of, like, just, like, layers of projection.
0: Yeah, because I, like, I mean, I'm, I'm not sober, um, but I definitely, I don't drink very often, and, like, I'll have maybe, like, two, three glasses of wine throughout the year, like, it's kind of like a Christmas day kind of thing yeah. or whatever, like, it's, you know, for me, But, uh, when I did stop drinking, I definitely had to stop drinking like socially. Like now it's just like, I'll have a glass of wine with my mom kind of thing. Like my, my girlfriend's sober, so it helps me out a lot, but I remember when I stopped drinking, I was that party guy, you know, I masked a lot of my depression by pretending that I could never be touched by negative emotions. You know, like I was that like loud joking class clown party guy. Yeah. So when I stopped drinking, I, I would always have these kind of, uh, you know, friends of mine that would be like, oh, just just come out and, and have one with the boys, like for old time's sake, or, they, mm-hmm. you know, and or just come out and hang out with us and you don't have to drink. But like, I I'm somebody who's I'm a sponge, man, I'll soak up anything around me. So like, if I'm in a group where there's like, you know, especially as like a young adolescent, like now I'm a little bit different, I'll just leave or you know, like, I'm definitely like a lot less patience for it now. But yeah, I, um, I struggled a lot with like, you know, I'm the social guy, you know, maybe I should go out. And I felt guilty all the time. I felt like I was like, for trying to make these kind of changes in my life. Like, did you ever deal with that? Like, just that guilt of like?
1: um, Yeah, definitely. Like, I think, um, for me, I did have some more like, groups that actually had like one group of people at one point tell me like um I told them like look I have a long run on Saturday so I'll stick around but I'm not really going to drink and I said you know it's just a run you know it's just yeah. a run <laughs> like to me um I just realized that um you know that is always going to be there um you're always but you know, we're all, it's, it's complicated in the sense that like, we're all evolving all the time. Um, so people are going to come and go. And these last couple of years, especially with becoming like sober, especially with like taking on this intense lifestyle of like ultra running, which requires a lot of time on your feet, a lot of training. Um, I've had to cut off a lot of connections. Some of them were just distanced away. Some of them I realized were toxic and I had to just you know, put the hammer on it and just cut it cut it off. When
0: um sorry, I should have asked in the very beginning. Do you, are you pressed for time at all? Do you have any like time constraints or anything like that? Uh
1: no, no, not right now. Okay. At cool. least not for the next hour.
0: Okay. I w- well, I don't know if we're going to be here for another hour. We can. I don't really have oh, too yeah. too much going on, but um I think I might have to jump on a call at like 1:30ish, but I think we're good for Yeah. We're, I think we're good for a little bit more time, but um, I was going to say like, when you started to have to change your social circles, did you, did you find like most people you had to cut off? Or do you think that, cause like, uh, I mean, I've seen both in my own life where like, I've had to have some tough conversations, but for the most part, I'd say in the last couple of years of kind of transforming my life, I'd say 80% of the people that were like quote unquote cut out of my life just kind of gravitated away. Like it was like, I didn't even have yeah, to have a yeah. tough conversation and people are always like, Oh, I don't know how to cut this friend out. Or I don't know how to cut these group, this group of people out of my life. And a lot of the times I'm like, dude, you don't even have to just do you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what happened to me. A lot of people just gravitated out of my life. Um, whether it was something I did, uh, which for me, a big thing was like, boundaries you know i didn't used to be very good with that but now um it's just like for some people i had to set boundaries for maybe a few people like three four people i had to actually cut off and the rest of them kind of just gravitated towards uh, away from me like distanced away like i think there's layers to it um there's certain people that i used to be really close to that are just like acquaintances now there's certain people that um i you know, I didn't used to be close to that. We've gotten closer because of the way things are now. And there's also obviously the new people that you meet because there's like millions of people on this planet. Like, um, you might think that you've met like your best friend in the whole world. And then like in the next year or something like that, like for me, that happened, like one of my, somebody I thought was like, who's like my best friend since high school, uh, you know, is we haven't talked in like months like it's just the distance that's happened and then like somebody i met six months ago is all of a sudden we're like brothers you know because of we have this new lifestyle together this ultra lifestyle
0: man it's so beautiful i i love that you said that because for a a long time in my life i struggled with even like the idea of like like a best friend You know what I mean? Like I've and I definitely like I have got my a couple group, like I've got probably like three, four dudes that know exactly who they are and what I'm talking about. But I just think back to like how many friendships I've had where I'm like, bro, you're like a brother to me. And then six months later, I don't even fucking, you know, I never talk to them. I never like how many people were you're like, bro, ride or die, man. I trust you with my life. Like, dude, I trust you with every and then it's like I don't even talk to half those people. There was, there was one
1: person, one of my coworkers, um, who's like a girl that's like six years older than me. She's like a, she was like a platonic female friend for like the longest, like the last two, three years of my life. And then I realized, um, we're kind of like distance now. Like we still care for each other, but we're distance now because I realized that a lot of times that we were together, we were drinking ourselves silly because we were dealing with so many things um and i realized that that energy was also bad for me in a way but there's a point where like she's calling me little bro and i was calling her big sis and now we don't even talk like maybe like once every four or five weeks maybe just like check on each other and that's pretty much
0: it yeah i know i i've got i've had very similar relationships with both men and women like where it's like yo you're like a brother to me or like you're like a sister to me or i trust you like i or like um i'll do like literally like when you work with someone as well like you know there's other things where it's like yo i got your back you know and uh yeah and there's just so many times you look back and you're like yo i wouldn't trust that person to hold my coffee right now you know what i mean like (laughs) and maybe it's different for you but there's like i've had a lot of those experiences where especially like you know uh with a lot of other guys where it's like, yo, I'll, I got you. I trust you with my life, bro. Like, it's like, I wouldn't trust you driving my truck for five minutes at this point. Like, and it's, it's got nothing to do with you. It's more about how easily I trusted people before. Like, it's like, you know, I, and, and maybe that just speaks to like who I am about how open I am. And I let people in very easily. I was a trusting person, but um. I don't think it's good to be the opposite and not let anyone in either by any means. I'm just saying that I think everyone kind of deals with their own kind of, you know, issues that way. It's just interesting to see like social circles are always the um, it's a very good excuse, you know, social circles of like, Oh, I'm going to lose my friends or what if they think this of me or what if they think that of me? And it's like, well, I mean, social circles are fluid at the end of the day, like you know, like,
1: um like people will yeah their fluid is a good point because like we said that people will kind of like your relationships will evolve with them the layers like the it'll be like out here and then it'll be in here like you'll be close you'll be far away so i definitely agree with that
0: and it's yeah it's just interesting like um So I had to clear my throat cough there. I didn't want it to be on the mic, but it's interesting. Um, Yeah. Like even like, uh, like my girlfriend, the girl I'm dating, we've been dating like over a year now. And uh, we were friends for like five, six years before that. And like, we like worked at the same company. We would chat here and there, help each other out. Like, you know, the occasional, like uh, we hang out kind of deal, but we were never like, we were just friends. Like we were just always like friends. We would maybe go to parties together or whatever. And then, after years and years, that relationship developed to like, hey, this is where I'm going in my life. Hey, I'm going similar yeah. places in my life. We should, you know, connect and hang out. And then there's other people that I literally worked with every single day. Like we're talking like 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, who used to, you know, we'd made tons of money together, taking a bunch of risks together, you know, the doing things that create bonds. And now I never talk to these people.
1: Never. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, it's, it's a good point that you made about like going places in life too. Like sometimes it, it, your relationship with someone is predicated on whether you're riding the same wave or not. Um, and right now, two of the people I'm really close with, the reason I am is because I feel like we're all riding the same wave. Um, but I've learned that people will come in and out of your life and those who are meant to stay in some facet or another will, will stay. And I've sort of shifted it to kind of an internal, kind of more of an internal mindset. Like, I know, like, at one point, like I said, I was a people pleaser. So I did everything I could to make sure that people would stay in my life that extended to relationships, too. Um, But now I know for a fact that, like, I would never, I would never compromise myself to keep somebody around
0: yeah i i that hits with me as well especially actually my um i don't consider like i I consider like a couple like i'd say i've had three girlfriends in my life and um those are like the people i would say that you know i definitely like was considering them of a partner to be a partner and i just think um just to kind of look back at that. Like, I think uh, a lot of the times we attach ourselves to, you know, the people pleaser mentality and, um, especially in relationships, it's definitely manifested in a lot of other areas, whether it be like professional at work or in friendships, but I think relationships, a lot of the time on both sides, men and women do this, but I think, um, Like that just that people pleaser thing of like not really either continuing to to do bad habits or not say the things that you feel like you should say or not do the things that you feel like you should be doing like I just I remember that um, just not really acting organically that's the way I feel like a lot of uh, about I can think of one relation in specific relationship I had in specific where You know, I, I wouldn't treat people the way I would actually want to treat them. I wouldn't speak the way I would want to speak to people. I wouldn't, you know, and, and I ended up like mistreating a lot of my friends or mistreating a lot of just like random strangers. Like there's, there was so many times where, um, to try and because a precedent had been set to try and not get myself into a a situation, you know, maybe be rude to a stranger or what have you. And it's like, man, there's a lot of times where I like, I look back and I'm like, that's not who I am. And I really don't like being that guy. And, you know, there's a lot of times where I had to look back and be like, you know, you're spending a lot of time trying to make this person happy for what? So that they'll stay with you so you can be happy, but you're not even happy. Why do you even want to be in this relationship? Because it'll bring you happiness, but you're in it and you're not happy. Yeah, it just it's
1: makes no sense when you say it like that, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's what I had to think about, right? Like, it's like, why am I even in this relationship? Because I want happiness.
1: Yeah, like, um, it's either happiness, or it's, you know, it's societal pressure. Like in Mm. like in our society, it's a lot of like, Hey, all your cousins are married or they have like wives or something like that. Like, what's up with you? Kind of thing. What's mm-hmm. the problem with her? She's like a marathoner. She's she's an engineer. Like, what's the problem, you know? Um, mm.
0: but yeah, like And the age thing too. Yeah. Like, like, um, and I don't know your age. I'm just I'm ballpark guess. So you're like kind of like late 20s, early 30s. That's kind of where yeah, I'm been. 20, 20, yeah, it's a good guess. <laughs> so yeah, we, I'm 20. I'll, I'll be 27 this summer. So we're like similar, similar age, right? And when you get to the end of your 20s, early 30s, like a lot of our friends are, it's like, oh, you don't own a house and have kids and you're not like, well, you know, like there's, I'm at, like at 26, 27 is where a lot of my buddies started getting married. And three of my friends, three different couples are pregnant right now. And I'm like, Yo, I'm renting with my buddy, and I have a girlfriend. Like, that's where I'm at. Like, like that's what, you know. So it's like, I think a lot of it has to do with age. Like, we have this societal pressure of like, don't you don't have your shit together? Yeah, I call them
1: um, I call them societal constructs. Um, they're just like you need to have a house by a certain point. Like, you need to have a girlfriend, a wife, kids. Um, And then it's like, and then they'll say like, for all the things you want to do, they'll say, Oh, you know, like when you retire, you can do it during your uh, golden years. Well, like when my bones are old and rickety and I have arthritis, Mm -hmm. if I even make it to that point. Yeah. And that's the other thing, like, man, I could get hit by a car tomorrow, man. Who knows? Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Who said tomorrow's guaranteed?
0: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, man. That's so sick. So, um yeah, it just, I feel like there's that, that pressure that you be that people pleaser. Did you, did you have a point where you kind of had a conversation either with yourself or with someone else where you're like, yo, I'm done with this people pleasing bullshit. Do you still deal with that? Do you still like, where, where does that yeah, fall from? Um,
1: well, I had a internal conversation with myself, a lot of it during these uh, ultra marathons, because it was not like a linear process where I said, Hey, I'm a people pleaser. And like, be now i'm
0: not now fuck everybody you know <laughs> it was it was kind of like um just like that's with, how i am man i'm knee-jerk reactions i go from like oh i'm this never mind i'm that well just like with anything like obesity mental health anything
1: like people think it's like this to this before after but it's like this you know mm-hmm. with like like every step you every time you go up you get like a little one percent better and then like you know like Things are all over the place. It's just work that you have to do every day. But um, I think during ultras was when I really just opened up and became more vulnerable to myself and realized you have a lot of time to think. So you start to realize like, hey, like, you know, like, why are you even with this person? Like, why do you have this friendship? You're not happy. Why are you even in this relationship? You know, like you're trying to be in it to be happy, but you're not happy trying to make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that people pleasing is something that I'm always going to struggle with. Like, um, I'm always just going to want everybody to, uh, after the first, you know, it goes back to seeking that validation that I didn't get in the first 18 years of my life, kind of being an outcast type of person, an introvert. Um, I'm always going to have that part of me, that percentage of me that wants everyone to like me. But now I've come to the point where I realized that um, it's like that quote, I forget who said it, but it was something like a friend of everybody is a friend of nobody.
0: Oh, that's beautiful, man. I'm going to find that quote. I like that.
1: So like, you know, um, just being honest with myself and with my friends, just trying to have like mano a mano, just like, or like face to face dialogue and just telling them the things that I don't like and just accepting the fact that like some people are going to leave if they don't like what you're putting down. Um, and just kind of ebbing and flowing with that and realizing that, that that's okay. As long as you're not compromising yourself, because I think the bottom line is that's where a lot of unhappiness comes from when you're not being true to yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And like that, we've, we see that all the time. Like I, I feel like that all the time, man, because uh, and it's something that frustrates me, man, and that's something that I could go off on forever because I feel like a part of that is it's got to do with social media and in terms of like I don't think that people even have their own morals and values anymore, man. I think they yeah. just adopt them from what they think they should say or what they think they should think. Or, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of it gets hijacked on both and on every, I wouldn't even say both sides. Cause I don't think it's a two-sided thing. I think it goes in every spectrum you could possibly measure it. Like we're, we're always like that, you know, every thing that comes up, you'd want to wait to see what other people say about that thing. Yeah. So, um, I think like to be even able to live within your own values, you'd have to have a value system or a moral code, which takes introspection, right? Like, it's like, kind of, like you said, I had conversations with myself, like just thinking about, you know, doing a marathon, five hours of running, like five hours by yourself is like tough for someone that you know i tried to avoid any time by myself for most of my life like going out and partying and being in the social group is like that's what i'm avoiding that quiet time you know what i mean and so now when i have it i kind of relish in it. like what you said like you know wh- wh- when you're running for five hours there's only so many thoughts you can have until your mind starts wandering of like why are you doing this shit man what are you doing <laughs> you know like what the yeah. fuck's going on like what why'd you spend so much money on food this, you know, like all those inevitable, thoughts yeah. in, right? Like, it's like, um, that, that internal conversation is so key, man. It's so beautiful, man. I liked you said that, um, real quick, before I let you go, I had two questions for you. Actually, no, I only going to ask one, man. What, what do you listen to while you run? Are you a listener? Do you have headphones on? Do you? Oh yeah.
1: Me? Um, I'm a music hoarder. So I listen to all music that I like. Um, Recently, I've been listening to a lot of 80s like synth music. Gangster, dude. Yeah, I love that stuff. Um, And then sometimes I'll tune it up to hip hop, you know, just like um, sometimes I'll go straight into like kind of like new metal and like grunge and like that stuff. So it's just it all just depends on my mood and sometimes I'll throw on a podcast, um, and listen to other ultra runners or, um, something that'll teach me something. And, um, yeah, just everything all over the board.
0: I like that, man. That's so funny, man. Uh, this whole week I've been listening to like 80s hair bands and, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's so funny that you said that like the, uh, 80s music and then the, uh, like, literally, my bread and butter, like the music I listen to most of the time is like 90s rock and grunge. So it's cool you said those things. Man. I don't know if you looked through my profile or not before you said that, but that's gangster, dude. The second you said the 80s music, I'm like, yes, my dude. Dude, um, definitely. But uh, yeah, dude, the 80s and 90s music is like where I live for the most part. That's sick, man. Um, yeah, I listen to. Uh, Audiobooks when I do like anything that's like that, like if it feels like okay, I just got to maintain this for the next couple hours, it's like a because like construction is kind of like that sometimes as well, like you're just doing mindless labor for hours on end, and it's like I'm gonna throw an an audiobook, like that's where I'm at. Like, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. I um, dude, it even kind of was like startling for me because I got a, a 52 hour long audiobook that I finished in less than a week. And it's like that's a lot of listening, man. <laughs> that's a lot of listening. Wow, yeah, I crushed it, dude. You got to figure like eight hour shifts and then doing workouts after. So I was listening for like t- over 10 hours a day. <laughs> wow. I got addicted to this one book, man. But, um, before I let you go, I want to, uh, I'm going to give you like plugs. For like your instagram in the uh, description of this like for anyone that's watching or listening it'll be like in the description so they can go and check you out but um give yourself like kind of like a plug tell people where they can find you if not on instagram or if you have anything else going on like this is your this is your moment to do all your marketing that uh, but uh give yourself a little plug <laughs> tell people where they can find you you're running in two days no you're starting your fundraiser in two days
1: i'm starting my fundraiser tomorrow, tomorrow. uh which is April 4th, April 4th, yeah. um, uh, for Ridstone family, we're going to be raising $25,000 through my 2022 races, which ends in October with the Moab 240 mile race.
0: <laughs> That's
1: disgusting, man. Um, a bunch of stuff going on, like a race in Peru that I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to be through hiking Iceland, uh, in July, uh, all that is going to be plugged in related to, uh, Ritstone family. And, um, if you want to find me, my profile is on Instagram is the Om Gandhi. It's the
0: A-U-M-G-A-N-D-H-I. Yeah. I love that, man. I, I was, I was like, uh, Coming through, I'm like, man, should I make a I gotta make a cool Gandhi joke when he jumps in the chat? And then I just completely <laughs> didn't even think of it. I didn't even bl- I completely blanked and didn't think of it. But that's uh man, that's so cool, man. I love your shit. Yeah. And hearing all about the stuff that you're doing, man, it it fucking it inspires me. Cause hearing about people like you, man, it's like I gotta do more. I already felt like I gotta do more, bro, but now I feel like I gotta do more like just hearing about those things man if you ever if you ever come up to vancouver if you ever come up to canada man you definitely have to let me know but uh um, oh,
1: i think i will at some point if i'm uh i told such that
0: i'd be there for his run across canada so fuck you guys should just yeah. run and race each other and meet see who can <laughs> yeah. you, so you should something. run up to vancouver he should run down south man and see where you guys meet race oh man that would be ridiculous but i could see such agreeing to that (laughs) yeah dude he's wicked man he i just met him a couple weeks ago and he came over like our first conversation was in my living room and he's such a fucking cool human being man yeah i
1: I love him i've always talked to him over instagram but you know once i'm able to meet him in
0: person it's gonna be it's gonna be rad it's gonna be yeah he's a legend man i'd uh fuck maybe one day all three of us could sit down and have a conversation dude. That'd be so sick. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. Be epic man. I got to update my studio and get on some running game, man. I got to get more, more like you guys do, but I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I won't take up out of respect for your time. I'll let you go, man. But um, dude, thank you so much for uh, coming on this podcast and for, for just even chatting with me because just this conversation alone, I, I'm like, man, that fired me up. Yeah. And, um, I'm I'm thankful, man. I'm I'm grateful to have you here, dude. I appreciate it. I'm excited for round two in the future if you're down. But um oh, I know absolutely. you'll agree to it right now, but if you're actually down, I'm excited, man.
1: <laughs> well, just 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 from everything that I've gained from this
0: conversation and your perspective, I already see myself being down for that. So hell yeah, man. Well, um, oh, the last thing I gotta say, I gotta compliment you, bro. I gotta say this. Um, and this is important to say, actually. It's interesting that you noted yourself or or identified yourself as an introvert and then held a conversation for an hour and a half straight. Because there is people that I've tried to fucking talk to, not only just on this podcast, but just in real life, where you talk to them for like six minutes and you're like, I never want to fucking relive that again. You know what I mean?
1: Like, dude. Yeah. Oh, I well, it's like Goggin says in his podcast too. Like he feels it all the time. Like that. Introvertness. um i'm like even like an hour and a half in like maybe like an hour in i was starting to feel it um and those are things that can coexist like me feeling that way but also having this amazing conversation that i'm drawing from um but yeah that's always there it's just um it's just work that i put in over the years uh, throwing myself in the fire into public speaking and just talking
0: Keep it up, man. Cause if you're an introvert that can do that, there's a lot of self-proclaimed extroverts that can't fucking hold a conversation for like five minutes, man. So that's uh if you're putting in effort, it doesn't seem like it, man. I gotta say that. Like you're killing it, dude. That's uh it's pretty wicked. Not a lot of people can can hold conversations like that. So I don't know if you've done like a lot of podcasts in the past, but you killed it, man.
1: Uh I've done I've done podcasts. Um, I didn't know how natural it was gonna come to me when I got on podcasts. But, um, yeah, I used to go to speech therapy when I was in elementary school, going up to high school. So it's, it's been a journey, but, um, you know, if I can do it, anyone
0: can do it. Oh yeah, dude. That's beautiful, man. That's a beautiful way to end out on this. Thank you so much for being here, man. Go and enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Are you go? have you run already? Are you going to run right now? Um, I've already run. Fuck yeah, dude. Now you're just kicking your feet up and relaxing for the rest of the day. Yep. Just kicking my feet up and relaxing uh, and not on a work trip in three, four hours. So got to get on the plane. Oh shit, dude. Well, I'll let you relax a little bit before you do that. That's stressful in and of itself for a guy. Like I get stressed in airports, man, but that's it, man. Thank you so much. Much love and peace out, brother. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Much love to you, Mark. Take Thanks care. so much for having me on. And this is a great you,
0: conversation. So Take care, man. Take care.